on this episode of the Clappers, the great race, the two of the fronts, 2019, 50 years since the great Ed Merckx rode and turned his first pedal. Also, Mystify, yes, a documentary about Michael Hutchins. Also, I went to the art gallery and saw Jeffrey Smart's paintings. Also, cricket, lovely cricket, at Lord's where I saw it. Cricket, lovely cricket, at Lord's where I saw it. <laughs> Welcome to the Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn. Now, Carl, have you changed professions yes, since I have. we last met? Yes. Because I've a, joined the railways. I was going well, to suggest that maybe. <laughs> in the 1930s, <laughs> in the American you'd, Midwest. You'd also joined Black Pit. Black Pit. It's a, a window pit. It's a, no, Black Pete, because it's a wide belt and very wide chalk-striped fancy pants you got on They're there. fancy pants. They're jeans, man. They're jeans, yeah, They're but jeans. For, pretty fancy for jeans. I bought, these, I bought these jeans online. I bought them Did from you, China. Do you regret that? Was that no. a drunk online purchase that no. Australians no. apparently no. are no. making? No. <laughs> at 2 o'clock in the morning, 2 till 6 hour, no. Australians spend more money on the internet than at any other time. I, I once <laughs> bought uh, a, a big trove of wine that way from from a wine auction Drunk. house yes <laughs> yes <laughs> and, can I, and i got lured, i got lured into this thing where i think lured is a, a good lure, word to use, a, a, i think lubed <laughs> i think i was well lubed by this point i think um it was like you started with a bit of nine dollars per bottle i think that was a minimum bid right okay, and, yep. and for ages mm. uh, like I was there. I was you getting really? all these cases I, of wine at, at one hundred and eight dollars for for a case of wine. I was going, "This is fantastic. This is pretty good good plonk I'm buying here." <laughs> and and I mistakenly thought that the cutoff time for the auction was I don't know sometime in the afternoon. I thought I've got all this grog. Mm. I came home. I've been out to dinner and and came home had a had a couple a few, more drinks, a few, <laughs> a few drinks, and came home and I suddenly noticed. What? Oh, it's still going? No. Yeah. Uh, oh, some. Oh, this somebody's, my wine. Somebody's, somebody's <laughs> stealing my wine. Exactly. So I was merely making defensive bids, and oh, uh, dear. and suddenly my nine dollar a bottle wine was no longer nine dollars a bottle. I, although I've got to say, it was still okay. Was it a good? Um, it was it, a case. It was one case you bought. It was no, no, no. no. I oh. bought. I, <laughs> I bought. Oh, <laughs> I bought quite a few one cases. Fool. So, uh, say you bought half a dozen cases. A bit more than that, but yeah. Okay. Let's say you that. bought eight cases, mm. all right? It was about that, I think. Yeah. And it arrives at the airport. Yeah. Do you pay any duty? On it wasn't at the eight? airport. It was local. Oh, it was, oh, it it was Australian. I, for some reason, overseas, because it was no. a, a nighttime purchase, I presumed it was from overseas. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, okay. All right. So it was from Australia. It was just an Australian auction house. Uh, look, I'll and it was like somebody's cellar, right? Yeah, it was being liquidated. Yeah, right, yeah. And I was, <laughs> I was doing, I'd done a bit of liquidating myself and mm. uh, got excited. You liquidated the bank balance. And can I say, this yeah. is like about eight years ago. I've still yeah. got some, some of these bottles in the cellar. Good for you. And, and you have a cellar. <laughs> what I have, what I have, your house. It's basically it's, it's a cesspit in the hallway, is what it is, with a trap door on it. Uh, and I this this cesspit slash cellar actually yeah. flooded once. I'm not surprised. No groundwater. Groundwater came up. Yeah, you know, it was yep. just like suddenly mm-hmm. yeah. it, it had not rained for. You know, this is when that great uh, the Orties drought broke. Yeah, I think it was what 2008. I think it was when the drought broke. Yeah, yep. and suddenly 
this bone dry soil was was inundated, mm. saturated, and suddenly I had like three inches of liquid in my cellar. Luckily, was, I imagine these bottles have corks. And thankfully, yes, foil seal yes, over the yes, good. Yeah. Okay, so that's good. You didn't have to pay any duty because yeah. you got them from Australia, yeah. got them yeah. from a deceased estate, I presume. Mm, I don't know if it's deceased. I think it was just... And it was yeah. good wine? Yeah, pretty good. Because they make yeah. good wine in Australia. They do. They? Quite, quite a, quite a I few. Have, I have experienced Australian wine. But can I just, or not? Yeah, please. just make the point that yeah. the, the purchase of these, these jeans, which you are seeing fit to mock <laughs> mercilessly, <laughs> I, I mean... I, I, I'm looking at you and biting my tongue. Can look, I say, Andrew look, Young? At least you didn't buy. I'm just going to say, at least you didn't buy a convertible. Oh, did I not mention that? <laughs> the Aston Martin in the cellar. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been away. I have. I went to Sydney uh, for. I was. Um, I'll say for roughly two weeks. Or two rough weeks. Two rough weeks. Drove up. And it was, it's great, you know. Uh, I don't. It's still there. It's still they haven't there. moved it. Look, I only visit Sydney to visit people. There's yeah. never, there's, there's, there was one play that I wanted to see that I didn't get to see. I'm yeah, a bit annoyed about that because it, it looked fun and it was at the ensemble. And generally, though, I just go up and hang out, go to the beach, visit my family. You know, it's, it's, I don't, I don't go to any gigs because they don't I, have them anymore. I know anymore. Sydney's a little warmer than Melbourne, but you weren't going to the beach, not, not swimming, going to the beach, sure. Lots of people were. In July. Lot, lot, June. Oh, I think it's in Geelong. Yeah, in July. No, not uh, Geelong. I don't know what they do in Geelong, <laughs> mate. I'm in Sydney. Uh, now, there was a lot, of, a lot of surfing and so wetsuits, but there were people swimming as well. Crazy. And there was, there was a, a great uh, couple at Manly in the uh, silver bodgy style. This guy who must have been 80, completely nut brown in yeah, the yeah. skimpiest pair of, right. of, of, swimming, of swimming costumes. Not the uh, silver pompadour, but just, just bald yep. next to a, uh, a woman. Blanche. Prob- yeah, probably of similar vintage, but it had so much work done that she easily could have been any age. Could have been 60. Or and, 160. And she was just dressed in a sundress and a, and a light bouffant and that, that gave me a lot of pleasure seeing that couple. But uh, it Glimpse was, of your future. It was great. I went to the uh, the National Gallery of New South Wales, which I always do. But this time, Carl, I'm, I regret to say I did not go to the Archibald Wynn Prize. There was, I, I actually thought, look, got a lot of kids here. Let's just do all the fun kids stuff and come back tomorrow. Right. And, and check out the Archibald. But tomorrow was such a beautiful day that uh, we Never went up to it. the Baron Joey Lighthouse, Palm Beach, and enjoyed everything that you can enjoy at Palm Beach without having to spend any money, which is important because it's expensive. Mm. Right there, uh, but I did go and see a Jeffrey Smart exhibition. Right. Jeffrey Smart, it, it contained some of his very early stuff, reminiscent of Russell Drysdale, I, I think, but you know, correct me if you are, have greater knowledge of the man than I. I'm sure you do. Uh, there yeah, were, was that to me or was that to, to the, the listeners? No, not to you. To the That's audience. To the audience, of course. <laughs> you know how to get Just in, checking. You know how to get in touch, audience. A lot of great sketches and some of some – of, I, I, I find him – He's probably my favourite Australian artist, right. and I I love the light in his paintings. I love the banality of a lot of them. I love how ominous and threatening they are. They are really threatening. A lot of them are that sort of lone figure in the mm. sort of 
urban industrial landscape, yeah, you yeah. find that threatening? Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But also the light and the fact that the clouds are grey and the light, it's, a, it's, a, it's always a grey, oppressive, heavy day, you know, right. but there's plenty of light there. His portraits are hilarious. They're probably the most whimsical portraits you can think of. The portrait of Clive James is mainly a yellow corrugated iron fence that takes up about three quarters of a, of a landscape oriented horizontal painting with some concrete uh, roadway and then this tiny little figure in a, <laughs> a in a v-neck jumper with a bald head <laughs> you can, can barely make him out you can barely make him out there's a, a great one of Jermaine Greer a woman sitting in front of a wall with a hand which she doesn't carry but with a handbag on on her lap but again quite distant from the viewpoint yeah. and David Maloof one the, the Jermaine Greer and Maloof aren't, aren't in the exhibition but there's one where he's like a road worker in uh, overalls holding this snake of Conduit going down into a manhole. It, it's just his stuff is great, and uh, I I really do enjoy him. And it's very expensive, very expensive, and it's great that he's one. Sorry, of, when you say it's very expensive, millions of dollars. You don't mean to see it at the no, no, free, man. Go see it for free. And when they when his stuff is for sale, I've I've been to a couple of uh, galleries where they were selling his yeah. work. Yeah, that's also free. Yeah. So you can not not to leave with them. Buy, no, no, no. His his prep sketches and stuff are like hundreds of thousands of dollars really? for a square of pa- or a rectangle of paper with part of a drawing of yeah. something that you see later on in, yeah, in yeah. a painting. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm saying that I'm I'm so pleased that that he was able to enjoy the fruits of his, his success. He he lived a long life, and, and most of it in Italy in Tuscany. And one of the last guys to get in, of course, before it became too full. And um, <laughs> he, he in, in, in enjoyed a great life and a, a great great amount of respect. So if you're in Sydney at any point up until the 29th of September, uh, go to the Art Gallery of New South Wales and maybe the Archibald Win Prize will still be there. And it's, it's only 20 bucks for an adult to see that, which is, I think, fine. And the... Uh, Jeffrey Smart is free. There's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff in there though. Grace Cossington Smith, Margaret Percival. There's a there's a, their, their regular collection. 20th century Australian art is great. There's some great Indigenous art on the uh, the lower floor. And I've been going there since I was like four years old. So uh, any trip to Sydney is almost a trip wasted if you don't go to the Art Gallery of New South Wales. So speaking of great Sydney artists who've left a legacy, yeah, have you heard of Mystify? Mystify the Michael Hutchins doco. Oh, I, I, th- I thought I, I thought I was looking. That's precisely really? that is precisely the response I was looking for. And can I just say, Andrew, you never failed to deliver. Oh, you want to talk about this, do you? It's it's a good film. It's a good film. Um, but does it matter if you if you don't like in excess? Does it matter Probably. if you don't like it? It matters if you do like in excess. That's well, what matters. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, no, what I mean is, is, is it of interest if you if you're not already like a hardcore fan of in excess? I think yes, it is. I think Hutchins was a big enough cultural figure in this country. He was a pop star. That's right. He was. Does that make you a cultural figure? Yes, it does. Okay. 
Unless you're going to be snobbish about it. I am. Yes, I know. I am. And, and, I, and I like pop music. Yeah. I really like pop music. Yeah. I like Simple Simon and Just Keep Walking. Yeah. I think their um, loved one. You like their old their, stuff better than the new stuff. Is that what you're the, saying? Their version of Loved One, I, I think, is equal to maybe even better than the original mm. it, in some in some ways. The they time, re-recorded it. The time it's feels better really good. The first time. Oh, yeah, the, the re-recorded one is, is oh, mm. ghastly. Mm. Uh, no, I reckon you could put together maybe a dozen songs by that band, and yeah. I would like them. Well, but that's a, so I, much okay, to dis- okay. But there is so much about their well, pa- pause, pause, pause for yeah, a sec. Pause yep, for yep, a sec. Yep, yep, yep. If you could say that there is a, a dozen songs mm, by mm. In Excess that you you would like, right? I'm, I'm I being would generous. Say, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But I would say that's a pretty good strike rate for a any pop band, okay, right, and yeah. b. Anybody that you're considering. Oh, yeah, exactly. Anybody that I don't like. For instance... Okay, He's not so, a jazz musician. So, now, that's now that's that's not fair because Midnight Oil are one of my favourite bands and maybe one of the best bands, the best concerts, best live experiences I've ever seen. Right. So, while I am a snob, yeah, yeah. I am also... I also like music that, that could be said to be enjoyed by a wide... The great cross, great wide cross-section yeah, of the yeah. population. But uh, the Pet Shop Boys, for instance, I was just talking to a guy about them today. They're a pop group and well-known and have had a lot of hits. I'm, I'm not sure if I could name more than six that I really like. The ones I like, I think, are tremendous examples of, of excellence in every area. But mm. only six. So I don't know. I mean, In Excess started 78, 79, that first single came out, Simple Simon. Do you know? I think might be eighty. I think they didn't okay, record okay, anything okay, until, all right, until okay, eighty. So it's a bit late, later Maybe seventy nine. But so so I mean they they came upon success pretty quickly. They I'm, did, and I'm going to um, say that's probably due to Countdown. Uh, well, definitely due in part to and Simon Townsend's Wonderworld. Definitely due in part to the fact that they embraced the the then new medium of the film clip mm. in in mm. a big way. Yep. And Richard yep. Lowenstein, who directs Mister Fi, directed eighteen of their clips. Yeah, right. So he wasn't there right at the beginning, so no. he can't take any credit for like that first wave of success. Yep. But from eighty four, mm. Burn for You was the first one he did. Mm. Uh, he did a lot of did a lot of clips for them over the years, including uh, Never Tear Us Apart, shot in Prague, which is actually very simple but very very yeah. That was clip. A, it's good crane work on that, sure. Yeah. But um, anyway, yeah. He's made this this doco, and yep. it's actually I think it's very very good. It's okay. uh, because he knew Hutchins, he knew the band, he knew mm. Hutchins. He had access to him, did a lot of filming of him. He's got he had basically an attic full of offcuts. Yeah, and so it started as a sort of like maybe I should do something with all of that. Uh, he also kind of felt that the the Michael Hutchins he was seeing in a bunch of other projects that were out there was not the man he knew at all. It was all very much focused on the so, sort of sensationalist womanizer, drug taker, uh, who you know died in very tawdry circumstances, and there was very little sense of the guy that people fell in love with. Right? So, are you, do, are you talking about that? Cha- was it Channel Seven? Yeah, one? That, that, amongst other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. that that particularly, yeah, that that was, that, that portrayed him in a. Tawdry. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's it's like I, I think it's a pretty nice portrait in which this it's kind of like a I guess in some ways it, it sort of goes beyond Hutchins in that it's like it, it's a snapshot of a I guess the kind of personality that maybe strives for fame mm. and finds it and isn't necessarily all that comfortable with it and. Uh, you know, come, comes to life on the stage. Okay. And then has a lot of time when he's not on the stage. 
Mm. And what do you do then? You know, because nothing quite matched that buzz. And there's, there's kind of, I, I think there are elements Judy Garland, of Judy uh, had the same issue. Many Michael performers, Jackson. many performers yeah. have the same issue. And I think it is a, it's an interesting subject to explore. Yeah. And I think the film kind of does a reasonable job of, of mm. getting at that. I and can't blame somebody who has a friend who dies well before their time and they've got all this film in the attic, they don't want it to deteriorate making film. I can't blame anybody for doing that. You know, my interest in it is minimal mm. at best. Um, but I'm sure that there are still people out there who uh, have a candle in the window for Michael Hutchins and will want to watch it and well, will, you know. I wrote, a, I wrote a story, I wrote a cover story for Spectrum in the Age and Sydney Morning Herald about, about this film mm. and the battle. Lowenstein had with Chris Murphy, who was and is again in Excess's manager, yeah. about getting access to the music. Murphy, meanwhile, oh, was yeah, packaging yeah. up uh, uh, an album, a double album, also called Mystify. Okay. Right? Is that a song? Mystify is an in Excess song, right. yes. Uh, and he's packaging up this album, a double album that was going out the day after the film was released, right? In but they're actually unrelated projects. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and the song Mystify does feature in the film but doesn't feature on the album. So it's very complicated kind of wrangling. So you were saying that the, he started making the film and he wasn't sure that he'd have the rights he to or had, the li- be able he, to license He had a period of about 18 months where he did not have access to the music. Mm-hmm. So he was making a, a documentary about Michael Hutchins that had no in excess music in it. Now that... that you'd, you'd embrace that. <laughs> you know, they do different soundtracks. They, they dub into different... There's different things that you can do when you buy the DVD <laughs> version from your Blockbuster or Video Dogs, um, and that would be that would be good to hear the. It hear had. The, you'd be glad to know it had the loved one in it three times. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the, was that was that the cheapest one that he could license? Well, it, well, in excess didn't have the rights to it because it wasn't their it's song. Not their song, yeah, yeah Joe yeah. Humphreys. I yeah, think. Right. Right, so song. anyway, could be wrong. Anyway. The, um, the point, the point yes. I was going to make there is that in in uh, in writing about it, in researching mm. and writing that story, I kind of I joined like this Facebook uh, fan group, right? And I got undercover. To say, Did you make no, up a no, name? No, no, I didn't make up a name. <laughs> Andrew Young here. <laughs> oh, that would be great. That would be very very clever and nasty and hilarious. Mm. No, I, no, I didn't. I, I I did not do anything underhanded of that sort. But it's like the love. Right, yeah. is it's burning bright? Let me just yeah. say, for for a lot of people, there's yeah. he's still this Jim Morrison luminous still figure. has that effect on people. Yeah. yeah, to maybe make another example. Um, yeah, so so there's a lot of people who go and see the film. I, I imagine there's quite a few will yeah. go and see the film. Yeah, um, but there's like the very interesting thing because I went up to I went up to Murphy's place up in Ballina for a listening session for this album right it was okay. and that was a that was a, a wild experience i mean chris murphy's a really fascinating man i mean a lot of people a lot of a lot of people have had run-ins with him over the years uh-huh. right but i think he's very very bright and mm-hmm. and has sure. a very uh canny mind in terms of spotting opportunities and mm. so on he came back on board with NXS in 09, I think it was, 2009, charged with – like they, they inherited – they got their masters back. They got control of their masters but in they, 2008. I, I have to say they leased I'm, – I'm, one of the things that I remember growing up about NXS, and I hope this isn't a myth because I'm sure I read it in a book on the music industry and the law, was that they were fortunate enough to, to ha- have in their uncles or the Farris brothers' uncles or father or in their family some accountants, lawyers, and were very – had very good advice and they, they leased – 
their tapes to the record company. They always owned their stuff. No, I don't think that's true. Okay, I, well, I that was that was my understanding when when I was when I was growing up that they, that that was they were the good example of how you don't have to take an advance and allow the record company to own all the material and have discretion about how it's released and how it's marketed and everything. You can actually pay for your own recording and then lease it to the record well, company. So look, I don't know, I don't know the full details of how how it works. Murphy sells this story as like he was manager from eighty to ninety five, yeah, right, and he structured a deal that meant that they would re- they would regain control of their masters okay. at a certain okay. point. Well, I mean, and that I'm, was sure, I'm sure you're right. Now, whether, yeah. whether that's him blowing his own trumpet or that's actually what happened, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's certainly not averse to, you know, painting himself as the hero of a story. Uh, but I do think one way or another, it's, it's pretty canny. They got they regained control of this stuff. He, he sort of came back on board to help mm. uh, realise the value of that. Found nobody was interested. <laughs> Funnily enough, yeah. in excess rock star, the reality show didn't do them any great favors, um, and it had a you know like a slow burn to try and reestablish some some uh, visibility and interest in them. Yeah. Uh, the TV series uh, in excess never tear us apart. The Channel yep. Seven one, which yep. was a big success, okay, put them back on the map. They had I think five or six albums back in the charts at that point. Really, the best of albums sold something like three hundred and fifty thousand copies in the wake of that. It's, so which suddenly, these like, days is a lot of copies. tick tick tick. Yeah. There's runs on the board, yeah, there, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, so suddenly they've they've sort of like got some sort of resurgent interest. Mm. So. You know, he he's talked about coming on to turn in excess from a band into a brand. Uh, has these grand ambitions about like a live stage show, not not with them, no, but, but like a, a musical. musical. Yes, a musical. musical. Yeah, um, possibly with a kind of Cirque du Soleil kind of. Oh, it gets better. And better. <laughs> this just gets better and better. Cirque du Soleil is is. Planning that, that's to what they deserve. I think that's that's the perfect way no, for people nice. to enjoy in be excess nice. is to have an in the round Cirque du Soleil treatment. Now, Cirque du Soleil did that with the Beatles, yes, with, and with Michael uh, Jackson. What, 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 what um, George Martin's son, Love. Giles, yeah. Giles, Giles Martin, Martin yeah, is yeah. now executive producer of of all in excess product. Uh, uh, yeah, releases. So, so executive Giles, music Giles producer Martin is executive yes. of all in excess. Yes. Yes, Charles Martin. Yes. Why? How? I don't know. Uh, but I'd say why? I'd say I'd <laughs> say because I'm guessing because it's a good name to have attached to this mm. brand yeah, that you're yeah, trying yeah. to well, make viable. Again. It is a good name. Well, he's done that. He had the success. Yeah. Well, I don't know if Love was successful, but I was. I did hear him being interviewed about that and the way he remastered and and felt at first. But his dad was alive as he started doing yeah, yeah. it, and he's, he got his blessing. And Paul McCartney, I don't think, liked it, which you know, no one's surprised by, whatever it would sound like. But George Harrison did. Yeah. So anyway, um, Cirque du Soleil, in the round, in excess, the theatre experience <laughs> with live acts on stage, I think, is perfect. I can't promise that's going to happen. Please, supposedly, promise, clappers, listeners, help make this happen. Supposedly, Let's start up a GoFundMe page. The live concert film Live Baby Live, which is from 91, I think it was, recorded at Wembley, uh, is being re-released as uh, on at oh, okay. cinemas in August, September. So basically what I'm getting at is they're there's back. a lot more. Well, they're back. They're back. <laughs> they're back. Yeah, kind of. And who will it be? Will it be Terence Trent Darby? Yeah. Oh, will it be? It was, but I don't think it will be again. <laughs> who could it be? Lady Gaga. That'd be interesting. Lady Gaga as lead singer of In Excess would be interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> Katy Perry. Katy Perry. So there are some names to conjure with listeners to the Clappers. Carl, I, I wanted to ask you, 
Do you like In Excess? Ah, uh, look, I. Do you, have any, do you have any of their records? Yeah, I've got one or two. Yeah, I've okay. got. I've got. Okay. I've certainly got the um the best of collection. Okay. and I've got I think Shabu Shabu and I might have another one. Yep. I I had some of the, the singles. I mean, mm-hmm. the earlier singles, probably mm-hmm. from. You know, I've got the loved one. I've got um, yeah. just keep walking. Yeah. So I'm gonna you know. put you in the in the in the in the fan camp. I like their old stuff better than their new stuff. I put you in the fan camp. So how did you like this film as a fan? Uh, it would be completely wrong to put me in the fan camp. I'm putting you there. Yeah, of you course joined you the are. Facebook group, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm Carl Quinn. Thanks for welcoming me to your Facebook group. I love Michael. <laughs> the phrase "I love Michael" never, <laughs> never <laughs> issued forth from my keyboard. So it's always you, Kirk. <laughs> as as a fan, yeah. how how did you enjoy this film? Uh, as a uh, as an ambivalent, uh, you know, mm-hmm. some sometime appreciator of their music, uh-huh. I, I yep. think it's great. I think it's a great. really a really great. What I like about it is the fact that Hutchins remains kind of slightly elusive, right? Mm-hmm. He's sort of because a lot of the footage is sort of uh, sixteen mil, maybe eight mil kind of home movie footage, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Kylie Minogue sh- shooting some footage of them on the uh, I think some the Orient Express or on a train journey. Yeah. It, there's it's kind of got a lo-fi feel about it. Mm. Um, Lomenstein's sort of background was in sort of experimental filmmaking. That's how he started off, and mm-hmm. I kind of think that up. there's. Well, it kind of brings a little bit of that flavour yeah, where yeah. where the stock actually has a life of its own. Yeah. So it, there's this kind of slightly dreamy quality to it. And I think it's really it's really pretty oh, nice. Good, good. And there's no sort of narrator, there's no central narrator. It's Michael Hutchins talking, it's people who knew him talking, mm-hmm. and there's basically found footage. It's a it's a yeah. sort of portrait created through found footage. We were riding home on our bikes. This insane taxi driver got out of his car and punched him. And right from the get-go, Michael was kind of different. I just felt this incredible, overwhelming sense of sadness. This is not the Michael that I know. He was a shy kid. He didn't want to walk into a room full of people, let alone see Anticipation. I remember asking Michael what his definition of rock and roll was. He said, Liberation. I mean, you could say it goes a little bit soft in one or two areas, you know. By not wanting to be tawdry, it kind of skips some of the the inherent tawdryness. Yeah, Um, yeah. But, you know, there's enough of that on the record that I don't think you necessarily need it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I'd say go and see it if you have any interest and you're not the sort of person who goes, I'm not going to see that. I Not I, that I'm referring to anybody. No, 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 no. no. I, 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 sitting opposite that's, me. That's a very in poor impression. I know, it's a terrible impression. I, I was, I was <laughs> me trying to. Well, I was thinking more fat controller yeah. than, than Andrew Young. But, you <laughs> well, know. I do, I do. I have oh, put that's on. That's a very naughty film. I have put on one and a half kilograms since we last met. Right. So you're right to describe me as the fat controller. <laughs> that is who I am. That is what I am. That is fat I am. The amount of experience that we go through in doing what we do is many lifetimes. The problem is holding on to a fixed point for long enough to understand it. Our veils and mist. Carl, I know that there are two topics that you do not like me to talk about on this podcast. One of those is my pants. <laughs> you love me talking about your pants. What are you talking about? Jazz. 
and racing cycling. Uh, so you you found a way to combine the two, have you? <laughs> I'm sure I will, but 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 no, I haven't. Um, so the Tour de France is on, and it's very exciting. Of mm. course, a couple of things that that make it interesting, perhaps, or more interesting than no Froome this year. Season. No Froome. You have heard about his. I um, have. Horrendous accident. Misadventure. Mm. You would never think that blowing your nose could be so fraught with danger. Oh, so, so, I didn't know the blowing your nose yeah, connection. So, what happened? So he's he's doing what what I I respect every rider who does this, and not enough of them do. Riding the course, going through the stages, checking yeah. it out, seeing, having a feel for it. Lance Armstrong did this all the time, mm. and for all the many things that you can say against Lance Armstrong, and I will say them, he didn't sit in front of his television watching a video shot through the windscreen yeah. of a motor car. He would get on his bike in awful weather to ride the various stages. Yeah. Okay, so Froome's doing this too. It's very windy, very windy. He takes his hand off the handlebar to blow his nose and his bike just gets slammed into a wall at about 50, 60 k's an yeah, hour right, and right. suffers massive injuries. So I didn't know about the yeah. one-handed nose blow yeah. element. Right. Um, uh, I I carry a handkerchief with me whenever I go for a ride. Sometimes I, I might have grease on my hands because I do something with a chain, or I just might need to blow my nose. Mm. And I do continue. I don't stop the bike, get off, and blow my nose. I mm. keep riding, one hand on the handlebar, one with the handkerchief blowing my nose. So, but usually not at sixty kilometres. No, on a downhill, no. on no, a windy not, not, track. Not, no, it's was, it was get through a village. You know those villages with it. So anyway, Froome is out. So he's, he's won four times. Uh, and and people felt that you know, he's lining up for another one. He's won the Vuelta and the Giro as well. So where we are at the moment with, with the tour, some some couple of interesting things for people uh, is that there is a Frenchman in yellow. Really? Fortunately, we have yet to hear him being heralded as the face and saviour of French <laughs> cycling. Because when did a Frenchman last win? That would be. I'm going to say. Not, not 1984, 1985. Right. 1985. Uh, 84 was Laurent Fignon, uh, and 85 was Bernard Hino. Uh, so it's been a while. Yep. It's been a while. Uh, there, Of course, AFL teams have had to wait even longer than that for a premiership, but it has been a while. Melbourne, I think, is 1964. England had to wait 44 years for a Cricket World Cup. There you are. And yes. even then and they even needed then, the umpire. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, let's not even go there for a minute, please. That's incredible, that story. But anyway, uh, Julian Alaphilippe has spent five days in yellow, right? It's yep. a, we're we're ten, 10 stages in, right. okay? And a couple of interesting things about Julian Alaphilippe is that he won uh, the King of the Mountains last year. Okay, this year he's had an amazing Spring Classic series, winning the Flesh Wallon, winning uh, Liège. No, not Liège. Best on Liège. Uh, the Strada Bianchi, Milan San Remo. Last year won the Flesh Wallon and the Tour of, of Britain. Now that's a nice mix of difficult northern weather and stage racing expertise. The Criterium de Dauphiné last year won the King of the Mountains in, I think I said, uh, and, he, and he also, so this year won the, the King of the Mountains, Criterium de Dauphiné, last year won the King of the Mountains in the Tour de France. So this is a guy who's not one of those guys that you normally see at the beginning of the tour who wins the first few stages because they're and flat fades. and they and we don't yeah. see them again. We will see him throughout this race. Yeah. Time trialling, not so sure. Okay. Now, second to him, of course, are... Well, who else would it be but Team Ineos? Who are Team Ineos, you say? Team Ineos are Team Sky. 
Right. Sky pulled out last year. So it's the same team. It's Chris Froome's team. It's Grant Thomas's team. Grant Thomas won the tour last year. And Egan Bernal is his is coming third. They are both from Team India. So they're exactly where they need to be to do what has been happening for a lot of the last 10 or 15 years, and that is Sky slash Ineos winning the Tour de France. Stage 10, there was something that's entirely predictable. That is uh, cross- pile-up. Crosswinds, mm. you know, crosswinds, how they have mm. street signs telling you that cross, they were crosswinds. So many of the uh, contenders like Richie Port, like uh, Stefan Kroizink, uh Yates, I think as well, were um, caught up in that crosswind. And we, what, what happened? They lost like a minute and 40 a minute, Thibaut Pinot as well, who's looking very good. A minute and 40, which is a huge amount of time. Richie Port isn't even on, on the board, yeah. on the top 10 board, okay? So um, that's unusual and strange and stupid. Like that's happened before up, up you know, in the Brittany area in the north where uh, contenders, GC contenders, have lost massive amounts of time through the peloton splitting and then being in the wrong place, you know. George Bennett, Jumbo Vismar's, uh, like, second man, was sent back to get water bottles for some bizarre reason. Like, he's he's the guy that would be their team leader if their team leader had a crash or something. They sent him back to get water bottles. So he's, like, 10 – he was coming fourth. He's 10 minutes down. So stage 10 was, like, the most bizarre uh, m- mishaps – stupidity misadventure um that you've seen and uh it's and very, you loved it and i loved it well i love it i, I don't love the crashes right there's been mm. a couple of very awful crashes but not as many right not as many as 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 there have been in the past um naro quintana you know of movie star he could he could still he could do something you know um it's it's always exciting to me uh even in the years where they've perhaps been dominated by the one team and the one character with, yeah, uh, uh, Froome, uh, Garant Thomas, um, Sir Brad, uh, they, they kind of sucked the life out of the race for a lot of people because it, it, that seemed like such a, a, a predictable. Well, you want the lead to change. You want the you lead. You want people to you want, be. You want, you want it to be a surprise. You don't want to yeah. watch a race where the same team just dominates for the whole time. That happened during the, the seven years that Lance Armstrong won yeah. the race. Yeah. It was exactly the same kind of thing. And and the five years that uh, Miguel Indurain had uh, won the race with Bernesto, it becomes like an exercise, a plotting exercise in seeing in the, in, you know, the race for. Or you get excited about the green jersey points or the king of the mountains or the best young rider. So. So here's a question yeah, for you. Yeah. Is there any chance mm. that we will have two riders tied at the end and then they'll have to have a sudden death race well, that finish? Has, believe it or not, that that, hap- that that came very close to happening. Uh, Greg LeMond, the American rider, they did something that they never do and I don't think we'll ever do again. They had an individual time trial on the last stage. Really? Right? Yeah. I think 1989, the scores are practically level between mm. Laurent Fignon, who you know, won in 84, and Greg LeMond, the American writer who won three times. They finished the tour with an individual time trial, which is where, which is the race against the clock, right? You mean actually the last day? The last day. So the last day, which is usually the procession. procession. No, the right. last day was the individual time trial. Wow. And LeMond, always into the technology of cycling, 
wears the teardrop helmet yeah, and I think yeah. the drop bars as well. Yeah. Fignon, who, like a lot of us balding men, is a little vain. Had, had a flat his cap. Hair, had, a, had his ponytail, didn't have the didn't <laughs> have the had his ponytail sticking right. out the back. And Le Mans won that time trial and the race by the merest shavings. Right, right. The merest shavings of time. And well, that uh, sounds very exciting. And and so that was a that was a, a, down, a down to the wire um a down to the wire finish. Greg Lamond, I don't know if people are aware, he was shot about the distance we're sitting from each other by his uncle on a hunting uh, uh, escapade uh, and spent a, a year or so in hospital. And as is the way when this happens, the cyclist was dropped by his team, and um, I think, and he made a recovery and won again. Really? Yeah, and won. He won three times. He won again. Uh, I think. I think he won twice. No, take no, 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 take no, your testicular cancer, yeah. Lance Armstrong, yeah, no. and, and his whole that. his whole guts blown up and everything. Good um, lord! And uh, it's it's just it's just the, the resilience of the the American physique never ceases to <laughs> amaze me. He's a he's a great Greg Lamont is one of the great I'll put it down to all the orange cheese they you know, the great heroes healing. the great heroes of cycling. If you've watched any of the documentaries about Lance Armstrong or read any of the books and you hear what he did to Greg Lamont, you'll admire him even further for right. his achievements as a man than as a cyclist. Right. So this year's Tour de France, you, you all know it goes for three weeks. We're at stage 10. It's a rest day. I urge you to get on board. The great thing now, of course, is with streaming, you can watch either a little short 15-minute, you can watch a, a, an hour wrap-up, or you can watch the whole thing anytime you want through SBS's great engine of entertainment, SBS On Demand. So... I briefly mentioned the World Cup final. Yes, Did yes, you watch yes, it? Yes, yes. Watch any of it? No, 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 no. Do, no, do you have I, any interest in cricket? I, I have a passing interest in Test cricket, but, yeah. but not this strange game. Yeah, look, I mean, I you know, when I was younger, mm. I loved Bond Day cricket. You yep. know, I thought it was very exciting, um, and my interest in it has come and gone yeah. over the years. I'll be, I'll be honest about it. I don't follow follow it avidly. I watched a little bit of the World Cup here and there throughout, and then I watched the semi-finals and the final, and that. <laughs> the conclusion of that final was, I think, the most astonishing thing I've ever seen in terms of a cricket match, certainly. Almost any sporting event, really. It was... I'd been joking at work about how, oh, I hope it doesn't go to a penalty shootout. <laughs> and it went to a penalty shootout. Was it was the, insane. What's the New Zealand player who seems to have uh, been the architect of a couple of the more odd and strange uh, incidents regarding... Uh, Taking an extra run and the ball bouncing off the bat and taking. Am I right? Or I don't no? know. Okay, okay, all right. So, anyway, continue with your, your analysis of this amazing. No, not analysis. Game. Was, I'm offering absolutely zero no, analysis. No. I just think that it was uh, a completely out of the box kind of finale. It, and it was astonishing. It really was just so gripping to watch. And it was one of those, one of those occasions where you go, sport really can deliver sometimes. Oh, you know, yeah. it really does just give you such drama you couldn't script that if you'd scripted mm-hmm. that people would say no no no, no that's ridiculous mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you're not going to have you know england's last hope you know hitting a six but being caught on the boundary but then not being caught because the fielder has touched H- the boundary rope on the road therefore it's deemed oh, a six and not a catch no, you're not going to see overthrows oh. you know coming off the bat and yeah. that being deemed a six I know. That Even is... when technically it should have been five, we've now yes, discovered yes, not yes, six. Yes. It's, like, it's insane. Mm, mm. And it was so great, although I feel for the New Zealanders. I do too. I feel they were robbed. It's not as if they were robbed by 
um, I think, sort of a contrivance of, you know, in quote marks, dodgy no, umpiring. No, I mean, I think... No, I don't think it was a conspiracy against them, mm, but I do feel that... Which, I, which I've got to say, when you're watching soccer, right, and yeah. you see uh, Brazil playing, you know, some second-tier team or Germany playing some mm. second-tier team, they get the rub of the decisions, you know, yeah. and, and you kind of go... Whether it's conscious or unconscious, it feels like there's a kind there's a of bias, there is yeah. a bias yeah. going on, and it's like, well, you know, Neymar's yeah. rolling around on the ground sixty-five times, therefore he must have been seriously injured. Therefore, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. waving a yellow card at this poor guy from Costa Rica yeah. who was actually down the other end of the field <laughs> having a pee at the time. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think there was anything like that. In no, this no, game. no. But I from from. The report that I had the very next I'm up horrendously early the next morning, so I wasn't didn't, wasn't watching anything that night. Not the not the not the tennis, not the tennis, no. not, not the race, the great race. Uh, I feel that New Zealand are the moral victors. Eh. Well, I'm sure they'll put that in their cabinet for the next four years. I know. They're, they're such good sports too. Yes. It's terrible. Yeah. They would never have done that business, would they? They would never have done that. What, what do you think they would have gone? No, no, we won't have that. That ill-advised six on the on the. No, no, I was, I think I was thinking. Of I that, mean, there's nothing. I was thinking of that business with bangers. Bangers. Yeah, Bancroft and the little bit of tape and the ball. Oh, that business. Yeah. Right. Ah, now for you, that's ancient history. For me, that's something that that I can't quickly erase at all. I think that's. Uh, Grievous stain but, but on the escutcheon of Australian cricket. It's not that. No, it's not. No, that. but it's got nothing to do with the World Cup final. No, no. I'm just saying that that, that New Zealand seemed like a team that that um, perhaps wouldn't uh, lower themselves. Stoop. That, that kind of behaviour. Yeah, might be wrong. You know, like I say, I only have a passing interest in Test cricket, but I, I do like the idea of it. Mm. And what I like about it is, like so many things, there are rules. <laughs> I like the rules, man. Of course you do. I like the rules. I don't play golf. I don't watch it, but I love, I buy the book of uh, amendments and changes to the rules that they put out every year. <laughs> that's about this. How thick would you say that span is? Would you say that's like 12 centimetres? Uh, um, that's that's got to be about oh, seven or eight centimetres, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. It's a very, very a thick, thick book. It's a very thick book, and it's amendments to the rules. That of are golf. Ba- yeah, that are ba- what happens is. So you, the, you're saying that you have no interest in playing golf? No. No. Or watching it? No, no. No. But you like buying the rule book. I like reading about the changes <laughs> of rules. It's I buy it for, I buy it, I have to say I buy it for my dad because he he plays golf avidly and continues to play golf and I'm, fa- I'm fascinated by how specific the rules of golf are and how there is no flexibility whatsoever and how people send letters every year all throughout the year to Royal and Ancient St Andrews, which is where they the gatekeeper of golf, and asking on inter- how to interpret. Yeah. So this rule 67A says that you shall not do this when this happens. But what if this happens? And so they publish this amendment or, or explanations on how to how to deal with a loose impediment and I uh, find all of the letters signed Wing Commander <laughs> Jones of Baldwin retired. I will I will bring a copy of one of these books to this next door future episode of the Clappers and read some out to our listeners who will who will love it. I tell you they'll love it. Alright that's the end of the Clappers. Am I right? No. This is the end of the clappers. (laughs) Until next time.